This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Video Junkyard Podcast. You have arrived at episode number 172. I am Eric Branson. With you, me, as always, my friends and co-hosts, Joe Peterson and Ryan Steiskel. How's it going tonight, guys? Pretty good. Um, as well as life could be. <laughs> With, there you in go. the age of COVID. Uh, but I am excited for this review tonight. So. Oh, good. So, I like it so. when you're excited. Then you're, so that either means one of two things: you like really liked something, or you really hated it. There's no like, in, you know, <laughs> well, we'll find like out. Ground, so, yeah, because <laughs> I'm such. But a... you're both exciting. It makes good good entertainment. So. Good. And I'm we're glad. continuing that our that our Halloween series tonight too. Yes, and happy Halloween to everybody. Uh, this will be the third review of our Halloween series, our month long celebration on the Video Junkyard Podcast. Um, yeah, I guess we'll just go ahead and uh, dive right in. Do you guys have, have any big happenings or news or seen anything you just got to tell us about? Or should we jump right into this thing? I personally have nothing I want to share with the world right now. <laughs> uh, a lot of lot of weird crap going on in family life. Uh, deaths and yeah. whatnot. Or dying. Yeah. But so, yeah. don't need to. Watched, watched anything worthwhile? I uh, Corey and I are working our way through the... Um, the two uh, film um, it series, like the recent one, finally I had never seen them before, and I'm pretty massively disappointed in in it. So in it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't mind the first one. First that one was fun, I thought was okay, but... but it it the the second one I didn't care for. Oh, it's awful. Yeah, and I haven't quite <laughs> finished it yet, but I'm I'm feeling it. Like it, and it's really long. It's almost as long as the whole miniseries. That one mm-hmm. movie, like, uh, damn. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I actually read a, a clickbait article thing today because it popped up on my feed um, that somebody was like, "Here's all the things that are horribly wrong with the '94 miniseries of The Stand," and you know, it's just. I'm going through these going, yeah, but the new one was so much worse. <laughs> so it's like, I can forgive all these things because the new one is just so bad. Yeah. In my I, opinion. Well, as we talked about when we reviewed the, the 90s stand, yeah. uh, I did have an ambition to watch the new one when it first came out. I saw some trailers. I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. And then after hearing your review and many others, I went, okay, I'm good. I'm just going to, if I want to watch the stand, I'm just going to go back to the 90s one. So I'm, yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And now we take a quick break to let you know about some other excellent podcasts that you should check out. I would like to invite you to take a trip across all of time and space. Join us in the police box as we discuss the worlds of Doctor Who in a completely random order. We discuss it all. TV stories, audio adventures, novels, nonfiction books, and on and on and on. 
I'm your host, Eric Branson. I would be very happy if you'd join me for the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a proud partner of the Video Junkyard podcast and can be found on most major podcast platforms including SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and Spotify. You are listening to the Time Streams podcast. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Nathan. Experience Doctor Who from the very beginning through a classic fan's eyes. And through the eyes of a new Who fan. Reminisce and relive those classic moments with Nathan as he offers fun insight. Or experience them for the first time with Juliet as she dwells on social issues, history, fashion, and the size of a flashlight. We're the Time Streams Podcast. Find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. Hello fellow time travelers and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whip, and every two weeks or so I'm joined by a two to three person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979, that would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Alison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. Enjoy your travels. Video Junkyard Podcast. Um, I was just going to say, like, the one that we're talking about tonight has a remake oh. that I have seen and a sequel that I don't think I've seen. But I gave up my segue, segue to get yeah, your and segue. I, uh, Jesus, there is no honor in this man. <laughs> no. But yeah, and I've seen the, the new one of this one, and it was one that I wasn't totally disappointed with. So sometimes remakes. I've heard, I've heard that. I've, I like this because of the movie we're watching that is an old favorite of mine i i was very steadfast against the remake around the time it came out i have certainly loosened up on stuff like that as i've gotten older um so but yeah i've heard it's not totally or it's not terrible and it's enough of a kind of re-envisioning it's a lot of fun so yeah i should probably watch it one of these days but not a, not so, according to the what people what was your segue <laughs> yeah <laughs> Speaking of remakes and originals, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I, I deleted it from my brain because there was no fucking point. We were like two minutes past. I'm like, eh. I'm really excited yeah. to have this review. I think I spiked. All right, well, I definitely jump spiked. into it. Well, yeah. So the movie we're reviewing this evening for the third week of our Halloween celebration is 1985's Fright Night. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. 
Fright Night. If you love being scared, this could be the night of your life. Uh, directed by Tom Holland, starring Chris Sarandon, William Ragsdale, Amanda Bierce, and Roddy McDowell. Um, yeah, let me get you a quick synopsis here. I got the DVD box right in front of me. Actually, this is my DVD that I uh, actually uh, duped from an old VHS tape. Oh, but, wow. Uh, That's a weird flex, yeah. but go ahead. Vintage quality. Almost like you were yeah, watching Vintage a quality Friday. on DVD. <laughs> yeah. I, back in the day when I finally got rid of a lot of my old VHS collection, I copied many of them onto DVDs. Uh, this, uh, Not many of them are left in the collection. Those, Even those copies have kind of found their way out, but Fright Night, for some reason, is still hanging around. Probably because it's a favorite of mine. But um, here's that synopsis. <laughs> Meet Jerry Dandridge. He's sweet, sexy, and he likes to sleep in late. You may think he's the perfect neighbor, but before inviting Jerry in for a nightcap, there's just one thing you should know. Jerry prefers his drinks warm, red, and straight from the jugular. It's Fright Night, a horrific howl starring Chris Sarandon as a seductive vampire, and William Ragsdale is the frantic teenager struggling to keep Jerry's deadly fangs out of his neck. Only 17-year-old Charlie Brewster knows Jerry's blood-curdling secret. When Jerry can't get anybody to believe him, he turns to horror host Peter Vincent, who used to be the great vampire killer of the movies. Can these mortals save Charlie and his sweetheart Amy from their wrathful bloodsucker's toothy embrace? Just if you love barely. being scared, Fright Night, <laughs> Fright Night will give you the nightmare of your life. Wow. Uh, That's like the longest synopsis I think we've done. It is. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I actually it's, thought it's we were wordy. done. It's wordy, but it that's the that's the description, yeah. Um, yeah, I, and that was kind of a fun thing about this movie, too, is, is the kind of homage to those Fright Night type, which we've talked about before, like Elvira and John Oh, Bob yeah, Briggs. the horror hosts of... Yeah. Yep. So it it, yeah. it's, it it definitely that plays into it quite a lot. Um, what are your guys' histories with this yeah. one? Um, I'm not sure exactly when I discovered this. It wasn't as a young kid. It was probably as a teenager. I actually feel like the first time I remember watching this movie and like being like, "Man, this is a great movie," and you know, taking it, taking it out and showing it to people was when I started working at the video store. It was one of the first ones I picked up and watched. But I feel like I had actually seen it at least partially prior to that but that's the first time i really remember you know it clicking with me and being like man fright night's really good i want to show my friend you know this is one i'm going to take out and show people uh, see i vaguely remember seeing the image of the poster for this one which is a pretty creepy poster yeah um, box art's great yeah uh who would have guessed newspaper. that's marcy from married with children the whole time right like, damn marcy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah when when my wife and i were watching this she kept cracking jokes but isn't that the lady that al bundy said looks like a chicken <laughs> so the whole movie she's just like oh what's the chicken doing now <laughs> it was pretty funny but uh yeah i remember as a little kid when this came out like hearing about it and seeing the 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 advertisements in the newspaper for it and thinking oh that looks even a little too scary for me when i was really really little like when it was still in theaters um mm -hmm. but yeah i i saw it yeah, on video years later, or like you said, like I, I saw clips of it here and there. Um, it was, I think, it was a pretty popular film. Um, I believe it was, yeah. And it, at least I had heard, I had heard the name prior to even seeing it. It was something that, yeah, I would guess by its box office numbers, and that's the only thing I have in front of me that it was pretty popular. It was made for like nine point two five million and made twenty four point nine million at the box office. So, pretty successful movie. Yeah. 
What about you, Ryan? Uh, you'd be you'd be surprised at 32 years old that this is my first time watching it. Oh, <laughs> I've been aware of it for for definitely over 10 years. Um, mm-hmm. like the because of the remake came out around that time. And then of course I did my what I usually do. I wiki read everything at that time. Like oh okay, <laughs> yeah. and maybe watched the trailer and I moved on. Um, but the, I mean the imagery is like it's it's definitely in the culture. Like I I do remember seeing so many elements of this, including the poster, throughout yeah. most of my life. And it's and then you know later on it all kind of pieced together. Like oh that's where that's from well and i i'm normally kind of a bit of a i don't know i don't i don't say curmudgeon because (laughs) ryan will just agree with me but um, i would (laughs) no i I, I think we'd all agree with you on that yeah um but we all have our days joe we all i I just have a lot of them um no i i've always been more of like a fan of werewolf movies and vampire movies there's like yeah i don't know it it vampire movies usually kind of i don't say like turn me off but it's like yeah same thing um every time but this one does some different things yet at the same time plays homage because there is a bit of a dracula like story here like they definitely borrowed elements from dracula uh especially with um you know the vampire going after the girl because it reminds him of his former bride or something um you know, that certainly kind of something stuff. that Dracula films had played on many times, yeah. Right. So it it's got those elements, but the way that the vampires are shown in this is pretty cool. You know, like they go from yeah. the suave yeah. vampire to yeah. like monsters. And yeah. with pretty good effects too. I mean, I totally understand where v- Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV series got their whole let's yep. uglify these fucking vampires. I'm like, yep, this makes sense now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they totally do the. Uh, I think you made a comment, and we were reviewing Van Helsing a few weeks ago about how you don't really care for like the big mouth vampires, and they do a really <laughs> good job with big mouth yeah. vampires here. And it's they do. I I'm sure it's, it's not the first time anyone's done this, but it actually looks pretty good in this movie. Much superior to you know Van Helsing, which is two decades later. Right. Um, well, but yeah. Anyway. So. Well, I it's I, apples and oranges. I know it's a comparison. I'm just no, no. I was gonna say, but like it, that's it's worthy. It's a fucking awful fucking gag with the CGI because practical effects have a better fucking impact. Clearly, given there is some kind of there is a certain level of like hokiness with all the practical effects in this movie, but not mm-hmm. in a bad way. They're very enjoyable. Like they're not clearly like blowing your mind. Like oh my god, it, like the thing. Or, like, the transformation in American Werewolf in London. But they are, like, if your budget is only so much uh, and, you know, the advancements in uh, prosthetics and such are limited by their time, this is very fun and imaginative because they, 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 whatever gaps there are, they make up for it with creativity. And the whole giant gaping maw, like, Mm -hmm. just on on a vampire's mouth, like... That makes, for me, my personal experience watching this, it was fun because it did, that was scary. It was the distortions of the human form in such a perverse, horrific way. And the idea, like, that mouth is, like, big enough to really do some damage. Like, the mouth of a predator meant for a human. It's, like, Mm -hmm. effective. That's what's creepy about that poster we were talking so much about is the, just the, 
you know, vampire mouth. Yeah. That's like it's going to consume <laughs> it, like consume the entire house that's in the foreground of like, yeah. it's, uh, well, it's so yeah, good. it was creepy. I think it was well done. And, and that, the fact too, that when, you know, it'd be one thing to like, oh, we're going to do this big gaping mouth maw thing on the vampires and it's just going to be a prosthetic mask and, you know, that kind of, and they do this with werewolf movies. So I'll, I'll admit that where the mouth is just like permanently open. But, but it's drooling yeah. endlessly. But in this one, they're not. They actually do open and close, and it does yeah. look like it looks very organic. Um, yeah. And especially the uh, the character Evil, his yep. vampire Jesus. form is just so creepy. On his teeth, not... it's almost like he can't close his lips over his teeth, and not yeah. like in a way like the special effects aren't working, but like it looks uncomfortable, like almost painful. Not to be mean, like. Him. That actor's teeth already, as this character, were already kind of jacked. So, like, <laughs> like, yeah. but I'm just saying because they built, like, his vampire veins th- aren't beautiful. They built off of that. Like, they recreated, like, his teeth in certain areas and just yeah. enlarged them. They just, re- like, what was already there, that added to the believability, like, this is his teeth. This isn't... Like face perfect fucking uh, like Beverly Hills vampire type teeth where they're pearly yeah. and they're fucking straight and shit. I'm like no, this is some fucked up dentation. Like yeah. you would like get the teeth in are like almost mm-hmm. sticking out rather than just down or up. They're like or, tusks. Or out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and the the one thing though that I will just get out right out in the open is the the one thing about this movie that is just I don't want to say it's bad. It's just annoying as fuck. Is the character of Charlie. <laughs> oh, I have right Char- here first seven minutes Charlie and Brewster. Charlie kind of sucks. That's my note. First seven yeah. minutes and he kind of sucks. It kind of works Charlie's... because he's like the worst person to be trying to convince everybody that there's a vampire in his neighborhood because he just. I mean, it's a reoccurring so, theme with the movies we've anyway. been watching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember seeing this early on and, and thinking, like, oh, Charlie. Charlie's supposed to be our, he's our protagonist, he's supposed to be kind of a cool guy, and he's not pulling it off, but then, like, from an adult perspective, going back and looking at this, Charlie's not supposed to be cool. <laughs> like, not no. even a little bit. Like, well, he's, he's, you know, look at just the way he dresses, even in, you know, and... And a tweed fucking carries suit himself, and, yeah. and like, yeah, <laughs> he dresses like a college professor, and he's a high school, you know, nerd, essentially. Um, I resent monster, that. monster kid, and like, yeah. How many, <laughs> how many should. elbow protectors do you have on your suit? <laughs> no, I, um, uh, well, I mean, it, I think it helps to. I think Charlie looks good uh, to a lot of people in memory because, by comparison, Ed, Evil Ed, uh, who we just talked about, who, he's something. Yeah. Um, Stephen Jeffries, uh, yeah, the actor played. Uh, Evil but, Ed Thompson in this movie. Here's the problem. I know those kids. I know. I mean, I know those <laughs> teenagers growing up like that were that animated and like kind of over the top. Like it's not an unbelievable uh-huh. performance. It's just like, oh, <laughs> um, yeah. He's, yeah. But, Evil's always reminded me of a kid that I knew in school. I won't mention right, his name, but, but yeah, he, he yeah, he, even dressed in the same totally haircut. Like eighties. <laughs> character cliche too i feel like every 80s movie has this dude in him he's like he's a little more heavily featured here in fright night but like that guy that's just all you know he's there to like laugh at stuff and be kind of a like over like high like when it peaks too high someone who doesn't know when to like 
control it. <laughs> like, yeah. control the giggle. Uh, holy shit, is it me on the podcast? Anyways, look at my spikes. Um, <laughs> Evil Ed, I will say, though, is kind of an enjoyable hammy mess. Like, yes, and I, agree. I will... He, I, I did not... I, I, once he got turned, I enjoyed him so much more. And it made yeah. sense. Like, he kept with character. Um, but also, like, that one scene where he's being... When, when he's being approached by Jerry. And, like, he expects to be just, like, killed. Jerry actually appeals to him. And it's like, hey, you probably get... You get picked on a lot if you become a vampire. I'm paraphrasing, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I... Like you're you're you don't have to worry about them ever hurting you again. And like when he says that, and you saw the reaction, I'm like God, I'm annoyed by this kid. And that line being said, it's like that just made it more real. Like yes, this is mm-hmm. totally what this kid is. Like mm-hmm. even as a as a viewer, like I'm like yeah, I don't like this kid. And having that moment going, ah oh, fuck, you humanized him right before you stripped away his humanity. <laughs> like yeah, it, it was and they give him like the best line in the movie. You know that old which Brewster, yeah, there's quite a few so good cool. ones actually, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, Brewster, yeah, which is, you're so cool. Another thing I didn't think I realized was an insult. You know, and yeah, Brewster's not cool. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I ever thought it was supposed to be playing that way. That was not their intention at all. Yeah, so. yeah, um, yeah. So this movie was uh, written by and directed by his directorial debut, Tom Holland, who had holy shit, some I wasn't other... even born yet. Yeah. Sorry, I had to get that yeah. Spider-Man joke in there really quick. Uh, I apologize. Uh, not that Tom Holland. The real Tom no, Holland. Right. Who directed Fright Night and Child's Play. No, um, but, yeah, so he had already had a successful career writing films, uh, Class of 84, Psycho 2, Cloak and Dagger, prior to his directorial debut with Fright Night. Uh, we'll go on to really kind of solidify himself in the annals of horror history when he wrote, writes and directs Child's Play a few years yep. after this. But Also starring Chris uh, Sarandon. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. That motherfucker started some of my fucking phobias. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> um, Who would have guessed? And so, yeah, it, it, it's about essentially about a teenager, like as we saw. The, the thing that my, you know two two and a half minute long uh synopsis didn't really get was the actual plot of the movie and it's kind of a uh, teenager suspects his uh neighbor of being a vampire and it's got a like little bit of a first act that's very kind of rear window i was gonna say it's rear window with dracula and, yeah yep 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 um it's it's a cool it's a great script because of those like elements like yeah i think it's got a little rear window a lot of a lot of dracula a lot of um Tom Holland being the age he is and when he grew up, I think he's, you know, the perfect age to from uh to have right. grown up with fa- with famous monsters and kind of the resurgence of the popularity of those universal monsters characters. Yeah. He's definitely got the love for that all over this, especially, you know, one of the stars of this film is a horror host. Um you know, th- played by Roddy McDowell, Peter Vincent, who is named after Peter Cushing and Vincent mm-hmm. Price. So yep. <laughs> Which also uh, enjoyable to watch yes yeah very much oh, roddy yeah. mcdowell is fantastic in this and, and obviously i think roddy mcdowell is always going to be known the most for the the planet of the apes series but this is always oh. what i go back to I... for his like this is this is his quintessential role for me uh, I, I just love him in this movie yeah i i will say uh you mentioned his, his him playing cornelius planet of the apes I had a situation when I was watching it tonight, and my partner came in. She goes, "Oh my God, is that the guy from My Darn Cat?" 
<laughs> what? <laughs> it probably is, but... <laughs> it is. She loves yeah. that movie. And uh, I, I, that I was the weirdest... Like, when she said... Because I was like, <laughs> well, I can't name this guy. I wasn't thinking Cornelius of Planet of the Apes, by the way. I found out later when I looked him up. But when she well, yeah, said what she said... under a face makeup in that movie, right. so it's hard to... Yeah. But when she said what she said, instantly my brain went, fuck, yes it is. <laughs> like, and I cannot unsee it for the rest of this movie, which kind of works in character, to be honest. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he's a joy in this. One thing I, I yeah. really liked about this one, too, is you're right, it does have like that rear window aspect, but there's no question early on that yeah he's dealing with a vampire next door they don't yeah. play up oh, long yeah. for that oh they you know, started isn't, isn't yeah. it's right away and that really yeah you know to, charlie's right nobody believes him like you're on right. charlie's side the whole time yeah right and and then even they they do the stuff where like in most other movies that would kind of follow the same suit before or after you know they, they do the whole similar kind of stuff where he's like nailing his window shut and all this but yeah, hang, Jerry, hanging garlic. Yeah, and, but Jerry yeah. still shows up. Like yep. the, the first time he shows up and, you know, kind of jams the mom's door closed. And, uh, you know. Because horny mom lets him in. Yeah. Yep. Invites him in to invites come back him in for a drink. Um, I mean, he's a. Chris Sarandon's a suave, suave yeah. vampire oh, yeah. in we, this movie. Yeah. We should talk about him after this. But yes, keep going. But, yeah, sorry. absolutely. No, I was just going to say, like, that whole scene where, you know, he's, like, giving Charlie his one-time offer. Like, you forget about it, I'll forget about it, and you just stay out of my way. I don't know. Maybe it's the adult in me going, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. That motherfucker just yeah. threw me I across kind of like my the... bedroom. Yeah, dude, That yeah, we're, we're cool, we're cool. I kind of like that he tries to reason with him. It kind of gives yeah. you a moment where you're like, okay, well, he's not evil incarnate. Like, he's got a... You know, at least a practical side to him. Like, he doesn't really want to waste this kid, but he's, you know, it's a matter of survival well, for him. Right. I think as Charlie annoys him more as time goes on, he, he starts to get a kick out of, you know, he's going to take who him doesn't out. Want... He's gonna... but... It's like, who doesn't want to kill a teenager after this point? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I would say Jerry, played by uh, Chris, what was it? Chris Sarandon. Sarandon, Sarandon. yeah. Um, <laughs> Prince uh, Pumpernickel, whatever he's called. Prince Pumpernickel. Humperdinck, Humperdinck yeah. yeah. Or the voice <laughs> of Jack Skellington. Yeah. Or one of the yes, voices. He is. Which I thought was interesting. The speaking the not voice. singing voice, yeah. yes. Not the singing Danny voice. Danny Elfman is the singing voice. Yeah. So. I confused some people when I said the voice of Jack Skellington is on Fright Night. Right away, everyone went, Danny Elfman? Like, no, he was too. He was in uh, Oingo Boingo at that time. Uh, yeah. Not quite. Uh, but no, sorry. Getting back to Jerry. Um he like when i read more a little bit about his character because i was fascinated it was a really good portrayal it, he's played as a vampire who doesn't really enjoy it like he he may it is what it is he's not whatever may be way may be but he's gonna he's always gonna want to, to survive but he doesn't get a pleasure out of feeding on people uh yeah. in fact he just he decapitates his victims so they don't suffer the same fate so when he approaches charlie and goes like I am giving you a choice that I did not have. Like, mm -hmm. let me just, just leave me the fuck alone and just, just he was he was playing it as a vampire who's just like, listen, I just just stay out of my business. <laughs> and it's like, yep. doesn't. Then he goes like, okay, now I'm gonna be creepy, weird dude. <laughs> all of all of a sudden, um, yeah. And well, I it gives it a layer um, 
prior to him seeing Amy, the girl uh, who is Charlie's girlfriend, right. played by Amanda Bierce in this movie, prior to the the like you know longing for his lost love and that Amy resembles this you know um, woman they don't really develop, but he has a portrait of in his house, and obviously it's somebody who is somebody who he cared for and has lost. Um, it's a very weak plot element. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prior like, to that happening, I think he is very pragmatic about the way he wants to deal with Charlie. Yeah. He thinks, you know, teenager, he could just kind of talk him, intimidate him and talk him out of, you know, causing trouble for him. It's the easiest way to go. He could stay living there. If, you know, if he has to kill the kid next door, it's not convenient for anybody. Um, yeah. Because so he's, he's, he's an interesting vampire. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does not get a kick out of, you know, doing what he does. It's it's survival. He's yeah. There's no me. sadism in it, at least not, not yeah. shown. I mean, no. he's yeah. There's certainly a sexual element. He's he's enjoying himself yeah. in that re- respect. But I would say he's probably like um, I know it's given the time. This was '85, but I would say he's one of the at that time one of the best uh, modern portrayals of a vampire in certain yeah. aspects. Like it, his, it's a good like sometimes he not to say he. It is. He does get once the like certain elements get do get a little hammy, but it's in a fun way where it's just like okay. But I will say there were moments where I'm wondering because of the charm of this actor and the way that he like plays with people when he's like, "Fine, I'm gonna you're fucking with me. I'm gonna play with you." Um, there are moments where he's reacting to the cross, and I was mm-hmm. just expecting him to be like, "Oh, he was faking them out. This doesn't affect him because he's done. He's done that." But then when you see the part mm. where Charlie comes up with his cross and he's do- and he's doing it, I'm like, this is another fake out. This is way too hampy. Oh, oh no, no, the ham is intentional. This is this is this is real. Oh, oh okay. yeah, like the well, way he backs away and stuff. And even yeah. even when Peter Vincent pulls out the cross and because he doesn't have faith in it, he does this big over the top belly laugh. <laughs> yeah, he does it right. a few times and throughout that sequence. But it's. Um, yeah, you could tell he's really hamming it up with it, but it's yeah. enjoyable. He's so he's it's so good. Fun. He's almost a nineteen eighties Dracula. He's got that suave kind of like, um, and that's why I think it, we mentioned earlier. It's got a lot of similarities to a Dracula film, and I think that's one of them. Is Chris Sarandon's portrayal of this vampire of Jerry Dandridge is, um, yeah, he's he's got that kind of suave kind of. It's certainly a very sexual element, but he's also very charming. Like, he can kind of charm anybody, like the police detective that comes in. And, like, um, yeah, he just has this disarming kind of charm to him that gets people kind of, like, playing right into whatever his plans are. Except for Charlie, who for some reason, maybe just because he's, like... Does there, it doesn't buy into his bullshit at all? Like there is a scene I never really <laughs> there is a scene I never really noticed before in previous viewings or really I guess took notice of, and it's at the uh, the dance club mm-hmm. when yeah when, a very long scene at yeah. the dance club. Yeah. But uh, when Charlie and his girlfriend try to hide in the dance club, but Jerry finds them there anyway, and he seduces um, Amy, mm-hmm. and he's dancing with her, and nobody can see them dancing oh, except Charlie. She looks like she's dancing by herself. And no, that's keep, in the, the mirror. Way, is that in the mirror? Oh, okay. The way they yeah, cut okay. that is really cool. It actually yeah, his yeah. reflection is not well. showing it's, up yeah, in the mirror. Reflection. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, which, the way that that's edited together really holds up pretty well. Like, it's a little yeah. choppy, but it's not bad. 
Yeah, um, it's not it, enough. It to actually be a, looks kind of it's a, like it's a, a cool cool scene, and she and she does a really good job with it too because she's got a she's holding her body as if somebody is dancing with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. that looked pretty good. So yeah, a lot of the effects in this, you know, the practical oh, effects, effects wise, are still great. I always, I think that was one of the things that appealed to me right away. Not, it, it, it's, it's just a fun movie. Like it's a charming kind of like '80s modernization of a monster film. But I think one of the things that right away appealed to me as a kid watching this in like probably the early noughties, um is that the special effects were really good. And, and when they, even when they weren't good, they were still like good enough to be fun and like it. Um, it works really well. Like, there's a really great vampire bat thing in this that, like, mm-hmm. I keep comparing it back because the other vampire movie we watched in this set was Van Helsing. It's like, you know, they have all this technology at their disposal and they can't pull off a bat as cool as the one that, you know, they no. built out of whatever. Well, and they definitely <laughs> didn't in Monster Squad. I mean, they're, you yeah, can damn near the see bat the and Monster Squad's rough, too. So, yeah, I guess we've done all vampire films, actually, so uh, so far. <laughs> um, but the, and even the, the scene with where evil kind of does the reverse werewolf transformation in a way he's in his wolf form which is just a big wolf <laughs> like literally mm-hmm. they just which all the way the way that scene is shot too you really get a good idea of just how big wolves are um which just running down the hallway at him and then yeah. evil transforms back into evil and so it's this kind of reverse werewolf transformation scene but it and it's really gory but it works really well it's um, kind of long it, though it is it's it a little is. bit longer than I I would have like needed because it made the, me focus too much on how the effect was done. Yeah, and there's and a like, lot of effects. Yeah. They do a lot there's of different so much. makeup sequences in that, and and animatronic and puppetry sequences in that. It's really it's it's impressive. It's a big scene. Yeah, yeah, it does I, feel I, a little long for the context, but it is a really big scene in this movie. Right. Like yeah, we talked earlier about like the the transformations of people when they become vampires, and and you know Jerry Dandridge, and uh, I think to a certain extent his uh, familiar or uh, partner, oh um, um, yeah, was his name Billy Cole, Billy, played by yeah. Jonathan Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a bit of a transformation as well, not as horrifically, but uh, and then Amy um, is great. I think great realization of vampires. Um, <laughs> just in this context i think they're very very monstrous you know monster-esque and yeah um, i was trying to figure just... out what what was going on though with with the familiar with billy because it's because yeah i he... don't even know if that's really like a, that's a witch thing i guess i don't know where i came up with that word but yeah he's, he's kind of like his he's kind of like a ghoul his manservant yeah, <laughs> yeah. i mean he's, he's like straker in salem's uh, lot he's a yeah. he's an undead uh, Tom Holland claims that he totally intended there that there was some sort of a sexual relationship between the two of them. Yeah. The two actors, when asked about it, both denied this vehemently that they didn't have any hint of that. So I don't know. But anyway, Tom Holland wrote it, so I'm taking it that way. I I read that there is certainly some sort of a, if not a sexual relationship, a certainly an infatuation from mm-hmm. the Billy Cole oh, character. Yeah. yeah, the way he it, it's well and Jerry's kind of lean on each other with and, anything. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Jerry as a, as a character is right out bisexual, but he certainly is not a, above using his his charms on whoever they will work on. So it's uh, yeah. yeah. Um, I was gonna say you you said for a moment that Billy's tram- transformation wasn't as horrible. I would say that one was probably the most graphic one. 
for many. Oh, he just keeps getting shot. And... <laughs> well, not, oh, yeah. no, not the shot his, when his, he gets dissolved. He... Oh yeah. Yeah, okay, when he dies. I, I meant, like, his when he changes, because he oh, changes yeah, a bit no, when he becomes... Yeah, he doesn't do shit. It's not as drastic as the other char- vampire characters, he gets although like he's not a one full weird vampire eye. either. Yeah. 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 But, his... but, yeah, no, when he when he's killed, it's pretty... Yeah, it's pretty intense. He kind of, like, melts. It's a melting yeah. man. <laughs> I would tell you that it was on the borderline for me where it's, like, right on the edge of am I uncomfortable watching, like, the level of gore here. But I was wondering about that. It it was on the edge of that, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. The it's fact that it was all way, just it's it's got the, the right amount of cartoonish. Yes, it's yeah, the green, say, it goes green slime. Goo. Yeah, <laughs> that's when I was like, that's what I actually find really fun. Is like I know some people, I guess I've I've had some discussions with people where it's just like ah no, that's just. That's just for cowards who can't handle gore. You need the real blood and shit. I'm like, no, dude. I'm more no, uncomfortable with <laughs> discolored. I'm uncomfortable with discolored things in, a, in, a, in an appropriate, frightening manner, because they're so alien. Like, fuck. We're looking at our gallbladders in general. Like, that's a fucking weird. Yeah. Like, right. That. What? Why are you greenish or whatever the fuck it is? It's. It's just one of those like. Ah, oh, I love it. Like I enjoy, I enjoy that. <laughs> I enjoyed watching this fucking Nickelodeon slime pour from every yeah. orifice, <laughs> then followed by the spice from Dune itself, and then go full on pretty much melting face from Raiders of the Lost Ark. And like, bravo! Yeah, it doesn't make any lick of sense, and I don't care. I, it was a visual treat. Every one of the demise <laughs> are like the agreed. main villains in this, <laughs> evils, death so-called mm-hmm. you know billy's and then jerry's at the end all are just massively successful yeah. effect shots and they work think, really well yeah i i think that's one of the biggest charms of this movie well there's a lot of charms of this movie but like in the third act like this becomes full-on monster movie and i think they pull it off like for pretty much every beat um and yeah, I think in the early parts of this film, it has a little bit of like the after school special kind of, uh, and I know this obviously predates that, but like a goosebumps feel to it. Yes. And it becomes, it becomes a grown up horror movie at the end. Like it, it, it kind of gets you into that. Um, but yeah, it's certainly got that kind of, and I think that's what makes it such an appropriate Halloween movie. Is, it's uh, a, it's appropriate. A I, I do have a confession to make because I don't want to stray too far away from the special effects thing. Um, I don't care for Jerry's vampire face. Yeah, I don't. I, I think it's out kind of all ugly. the creatures, it might be my least favorite too. It's yeah. the but weakest, I still think he's at, he's Chris Sarandon's doing doing what he can do with it, and I yeah. think it still works really it's, well. It's a little raw head yeah, Rex, right. you know. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's got a little raw head Rex look to it. Uh, it just but, looks very swollen. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. weird. Like he got stung by a bee or something. Yeah, but the, what like, they do Ugh. with all the uh, the actors' eyes, though, with that like bright red bulging look that that's common in all the vampires, I really like that. In addition to you know, we talked a lot about like the gaping mouth kind of a thing, but the eyes too, these big bulging red eyes, um, really effective. It just it's such a unique look that's been copied a lot since then, but not really duplicated. Mm. Well, apparently those fake eyes were a real problem on set for people. Oh, I can imagine. They you couldn't wear painful. them more than 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. Uh, Supposedly they're so incredibly painful they had to bring in torture specialists on uh, certain movies. I think Jim Carrey tells that story about the Grinch film. But yeah. Oh. 
yeah, yeah that's more nightmare fuel well um, yeah. um <laughs> actually amy's uh i'm just keep calling her marcy yeah <laughs> forgot her actual name <laughs> um her, amanda beers is the amanda yeah name. amanda yeah. beers amy peterson um, is her character in this i guess there was a part where she put on some of the contexts and uh they were so excruciating they were so just so painful for her. sorry they were so excruciating um that like once they they removed them the crew found out that they never um buffed them or something Ooh. They never actually properly prepared them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I would have been fucking furious. Yeah, um, no kidding. But uh, there was also, I guess, like something with Chris as well. He wore him for forty minutes and ended up scratching the fuck out of his eye. For, mm. Um, there, there's a lot of weird production things with this. There's a lot of like mishaps. Like Charlie himself had a broken leg, I guess, throughout most of the film. Oh, really? Yeah, actually, hmm. there's a brief moment where you can see the cast uh, hmm. hanging from his leg. Uh, it's kind of fascinating. <laughs> I was really I do into think it. he he did have, like, a limpy thing going on in some scenes, yeah. didn't he? That, like, I just figured he was kind of, like, because he had, he got his ass kicked by, by Dandridge at one point uh, right. in his bedroom. And you, uh, think, you think with the whole rear window thing that they got going on, they could have just went with it. Like, yeah, use that broken leg as an element. Like, look, this wounded fucking teenage boy, no one can believe him, and he can't do shit about it. <laughs> you know? You need to ask yeah. an old guy to help him kill a vampire. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, the, the one element of the plot here that I always found just a little odd. But it works. It's a good plot device, and it, it kind of shows how much of a dork Charlie is. Is Okay, mm-hmm. so you've gone to the police, they won't listen to you, your friends won't listen to you. So your number three is the guy on TV who hosts old movies. Oh, but that's don't, like asking. It, you know, back in the day, like, he used to play the fearless vampire killer right. in all of the vampire movies that Charlie loves. So yeah, that's like us going to Elvira to help us with a witch hunt. It's I mean kind of weird. Would absolutely she might even be my number one. Just you know, so <laughs> just to use this as an that excuse. That is a good point. Yeah, yeah. That is a good point. I, mean, I just yeah, don't see myself going to like Gilbert Godfrey to help me with like anything. You know? <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. What is it? Splinvul. He may be a little Spring-Gooly. lower on the yeah. list. Spenguli, yeah. Joe Gooly. Bob Briggs. Yeah, sorry. You know, the, uh, uh, yeah. The worst Midwest. So, I know in, Elvira. In, 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 uh, one of that, there was a movie I recommended you guys recently on Shudder. Um, uh, uh, something like. Oh God, I can't remember the name, but it's about a video store, and Joe Bob Briggs shows up in it, and it's it is kind of like that, like he helps them out in a, yeah. in a, a quick scene. So that was pretty funny. But yeah, speaking, yeah. I was gonna say, speaking of Peter Vincent as a character in this movie, I, I think it's and and I give this a lot of probably Tom Holland's you know love of classic monster movies and such, the Hammer films, Universal horror films. Um, Peter Vincent's an interesting character because he actually like emulates what a lot of our you know what a lot of the uh horror icons ended up being later in life and that they became kind of caricatures of their characters uh especially bella lugosi to a lesser extent boris karloff he did have a little bit better of a career but um yeah kind of ended up kind of not being able to escape that role and once they weren't able to do it anymore or play that that character anymore kind of fell into to poverty into in Lugosi's uh situation into drug addiction and, and just just ended up kind of in not the best place uh 
and, and I think Peter Vincent is is supposed to kind of emulate that, like the the post post limelight. You know, he's kind of he's hosting this kind of cable access show, um, doing doing called Fright Night, um, hosting horror movies and making bad jokes, and you know, kind of living through his former Vincent glories Price. and he, he yeah he can't play his you know and and vincent price who he was named after i don't think is a great example because vincent price i think was one of the rare people who was able to stay successful throughout his career peter cushing as well who yeah, actually very late in his life uh experienced a resurgence obviously via star wars and kind of all the the things he got to do in the last few you know five years of well, his life he was a well-respected actor and Christopher Lee obviously oh, Christopher became Lee, yeah. at the end of his life became an A-list, <laughs> you know, a- a superstar almost a- again. Um, well, the fence which is awesome. Price. I mean, that, that's fantastic. But really, that that original I was thinking that original school of people. I think Long Cheney Jr. had has a, had a similar story as yeah. well. Um, yeah, you know, when they were were they were big stars when they were doing it, and then they were never really able to get outside of that and. Uh, um, I know Lugosi and I think Cheney, Cheney as well, um, kind of when, when they passed, were living, you know, very modest, if not impoverished lives. Yeah. So I think I it's interesting. I, I love, was, yeah. yeah, I love the Peter Vincent character for that because he's, he is kind of a, the personification of that story and that, yeah. Uh, and it's kind of cool because he gets to kind of like redeem himself through being the fearless, mo- you know, the monster killer, the vampire killer again. So it's a story of redemption. I was saying the Vincent Price part it was uh, because the part was actually written for Price and he turned it down because it was just he was, I guess I've read this exactly so badly typecast mm-hmm. that he just stopped accepting these roles. And that's kind of what I guess yeah. I'm I was going to lean like you're right with what you were mentioning, like the 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 unfortunate uh you know, future for a lot of horror movie actors, even still to this day, let's be honest, like, like just because, you know, a couple that are dead well, like when you look at the majority, like some who just never really got further, but, um, Mm -hmm. but that idea for me, it was, uh, just the idea of being so badly typecast that the teenage boy fucking approaches you to help him with a fucking demonic threat. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, your range is vampire killer, and that's it. <laughs> that is all you are, and that's what everyone in the fucking movie refers to him as. Even the fucking vampire when he sees him, because it's it's a <laughs> yeah, fright. The night. vampire acts like he's just as big of a fan as everybody else. That's what, yeah, right. It's like, like Peter Vincent, like it's almost like it's an honor, you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, apparently, though, uh, Vincent Price did enjoy the portrayal uh, and the oh, job good. done. Yeah. Yeah, he. Actually... Yeah, I knew. I knew it was envisioned. He, the Tom Holland had envisioned. I was not aware he actually approached Vince Price about it. So. Yeah, and I guess later on, like the three of them, Holland, uh, McDowell, and uh, Price, uh, all met up with each other and uh, was told that he thought uh, the movie was wonderful, and he thought Roddy did a wonderful job. <laughs> so. Good. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I yeah, thought that was Vincent Price was the I, I I get the impression from all the stories I hear was the uh, epitome of a gentleman. Like that sounds mm-hmm. like him. So. <laughs> I heard he was yeah. a really good cook too. Yeah, he's got he wrote I think he wrote cookbooks or at least mm-hmm. uh yeah, something along those lines. But <laughs> I remember one of the last things about Vincent Price I mean obviously, you know, he's his role in like Edward Scissorhands and stuff, but um mm. plugging the uh, how to host a murder games. Oh yeah, 
narr- uh, I think he narrated some of the yeah the uh, tapes interactive and stuff. elements yeah yeah, yeah. and, and this done, is why you I've can never go to a potluck stuff. with vincent price like you want to try his <laughs> roast but you know somehow it's going to turn into a variety hour show well, there's gonna be a murder and there's yeah. gonna be a murder <laughs> you're all here for my entertainment <laughs> like i've totally derailed this fright night in you know discussion into my fandom of vincent price so we'll uh we're keeping it it's it's staying on the, the ground. guy was classic though and yeah i can see why they they tried to to get him for this as well and yeah. that, that would have been cool that would have been really cool uh but yeah roddy mcdowell but, is is great in this and i think he he kind of got a bit typecast too so yeah, yeah a little bit you know yeah. but um yeah but this this i really guess he worked well he really wanted the 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 role too he actually thought he was going to lose the vincent price <laughs> <laughs> and uh but oh, wow. yeah i mean i i think if i were him auditioning for this and i heard like oh yeah they're also reading vincent price for it i'd be like oh oh yeah okay <laughs> like i'm losing that to him but no i'm glad they went with with Brody mcdowell i think he's fantastic yeah. in this movie and it's actually the role of his that i most often remember if that that name usually and and i'm a big fan of the planet of the apes series and and i enjoy him in those but um, this is the one that, if you say Roddy McDowell immediately, I think of Peter Vincent. That's yeah. that's his character in my mind. So, have you yeah. seen uh, the sequel? No, I have, but it's been a really long time. Um, I remember I that it, it does have poster art. Yeah, and it does have the original characters or cast again. Um, I don't remember much about it. I know I watched it, like almost probably <laughs> right right after this one. But uh, right on Reddit, I guess it only has. To... Vincent Price, sorry, not Vincent Price. Uh, Peter Vincent and uh, Charlie. That yeah. was pretty much yep. it. Evil Ed didn't want it to go back, and Amy, uh, the character of Amy, wasn't on because uh, Amanda Bierce was in Married with Children. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> had moved on to other things. Yep, and moved on to other things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember much about it. I do think I remember, you know, generally kind of thinking it was okay for a sequel. Um, but I, I, I kind of want to check it out again because I was just re- when I was reading about it in preparation for the show, I was just thinking about how I, I don't remember enough about the sequel. But Yeah. Well, it's funny because I, all I do know about the sequel is apparently it's like Jerry's sister or something like that is a vampire. It's some relative like that. And it's like, this it, sounds kind of like The Howling 2. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 not it's not insane like the Howling Two is, but uh, <laughs> um, from my memory, it does have something to do with uh, it. It it's fairly contrived. Like I don't know if she actually like moves in next door kind of thing, but like they they get a line on like, oh, it's Jerry Dandridge's sister who's also a vampire, and you know, it's it's pretty much kind of like hit repeat on the events of the first film in a lot of ways, but. Charlie's I remember thinking it was turned into a vampire this time. So, yeah. Oh, does yeah. he? Yeah, it's pretty much Peter's show at this point. Yeah. So maybe that, we that should. Uh... Reminds me of one thing that we were trying to figure out last night. There's a scene when they're fighting uh, Jerry in his bat form with the, the big vampire bat, mm-hmm. where the vampire bat bites Charlie in the arm. Mm. Would oh, he? Yeah. Would yep. he start to turn? No, they killed him before. But yeah, I was gonna say they they let it up to they they have the like 
Dracula thing, what they do in a lot of Dracula movies, like you have the the like sire vampire, right? Like the right, one vampire that right. started the and they kill line. him, so he's not going to change. But would he have? Um, this movie's kind of ambiguous about yeah. that because because even Dandridge makes some comments about like the degrees of change, and I know he talks about decapitating people or like you know stopping them, killing them before they can change into vampires, but um. Yeah, I don't know. I guess like sure if, if, if a vampire or... bites you in its wolf or bat form, do you do you get the curse, or does it have to be in their like vampire form? I don't. think I mean, so. I would. I think I would assume way. all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at least it's been depicted well, that way in in films. But yeah, you, this I guess film, that's up to whoever's writing it. Yeah. <laughs> this film is one of its film. It's one of those films because it's trying to be meta, or it is kind of meta in mm-hmm. a way. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. They're saying they're they're establishing the rules and saying out loud it's just like in the movies, which is a way of communicating to us, the viewers, like oh okay, so they don't have to dive in too deeply with this. However, there is some inconsistencies, um, like so, like Peter Vincent's character says like no, if we like so Amy gets bitten and she's turned into a vampire. And Vincent's mm-hmm. is like, if we kill him, if we kill Jerry before dawn, we can save her. And it's like, right away, I'm like, okay, well, fuck e- evil Ed, that c- who you just accidentally stabbed in the fucking living room of his mom's fucking home. <laughs> um, what's going to happen with that? Well, they can kind of show that, like, he, he was healing, right? And then, you know, dawn fucking happens. She's clearly a fucking vampire at this point. The sun is out. I don't know what is considered dawn anymore at this point. I mean, that is the main tool they use to kill Jerry. However, she still reverts back to human. She is okay. So therefore, Charlie's okay. However, the movie ends with red eyes. Like, Mm -hmm. in the window across. Like, somebody evil moved in. And then it's the fucking laugh and line from Evil Ed. Saying mm-hmm. like, oh, real cool, Charlie. Whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it kind of hints. Brewster, you're so cool. So cool. Yeah. Brewster, you're so cool. Right. And it's one of those things that kind of hints like, oh, did Evil Ed survive? Because he was intended for a sequel. And it's just like, but. How does this work? <laughs> how does yeah. this work? He was stabbed yeah, it, and his master was pretty... killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rules are a little uh, hazy. <laughs> Up well, for interpretation, right? and and that's that in and of itself is a classic, you know, drive-in horror movie ending, you know, where yeah. it doesn't. No, make, yeah. it's, it's Nightmare on Elm Street ended the same kind of way. It's like, well, what? Oh yeah, I think every movie right around then was ending the same yeah. way. Like, I, Friday the Thirteenth and all that stuff. I do have another gripe yeah, about the ending. whole. I have a whole gripe about the whole vampire. If you kill the lead vampire, it kills the rest trope. I'm just saying that is the like seeing that vampires only pretty much breed through you know this I turned into a vampire process. It's kind of a lame fucking sauce way to be like to reproduce. If it's just like yeah, if the parent dies though, this whole fucking brood is gone. And in fact, I think that like what we do in the shadows this season, they kind of touched upon like they had an episode dedicated to the ridiculousness of that. Oh, nice. (laughs) Uh, so I don't know how far you're ahead, that, but they touched on that. That is a show that. I need to I need to catch up on because it is pretty. Yeah, 
it's it's good. It's a funny trope, though. It's just like as a as as a species, what a what about what about what a terrible fucking thing, right? Yeah. It's like oh, yeah. then what's the whole? You can't really have a, like various generations if it's that easy to wipe them all out. It's like talk about a massive extinction event. Yeah, you just find the oldest vampire you can, and there you go. Kill yeah. it. <laughs> like. And Unless... what they do in the shadows, they just lock it up into a fucking, like, cellar and keep it safe. That's what they legitly do with the first vampire. <laughs> I don't know. There's always a way you could ride around it, because that's... It is such oh, yeah. a, a silly and very simple plot device trope. That's all it really is, just a plot device. Um, yeah. You know, but you we could... Yeah, have the time it to kill makes it easy fuckers. for a small amount of people to deal with a large horde of vampires who yeah. are Yeah, you know, physically... you've got... What, you know, who knows? Maybe you've got your your alpha vampire, your main one, right? And then you've got the vampires they create. Well, what if one of those creates a vampire? Now they're a master to somebody. Are they now omitted from being? Who fucking knows? You know, yeah, I don't know. How did Lost yeah, Boys end it's... again? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but... and each movie kind of develops its own rules or ignores the rules. You know, and just kind of like generally like this one i feel like paints kind of broad strokes because you're right it does say like just like in the movies so it's just falling back on the old vampire tropes which for this movie is is totally fine yeah i think like yep. it just it works out um well should we yeah. uh jump into some final thoughts and grades for fright night i think so i think we're we're good what do you guys think? Would Joe, why don't you, you want to um, start us off? Sure. Uh, yeah, this is one, I, I, I guess I can say a childhood favorite and interpret that however you want. Um, it's, <laughs> uh, as somebody who, like, I respect a good vampire movie, but I don't, it's not my favorite monster or anything, uh, this is one of the better ones, definitely. Especially in an era when there were a lot of vampire movies coming out. Um, There's so you, many you know, every eras. There's a That's lot how of those they eras. That's how. <laughs> Good point. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of those eras where you get a whole bunch of vampire movies coming out. You know, we had when the Twilight movies were popular. That's also when you got stuff like Thirty Days a Night, and oh, and every, Fright Night remake, and the Fright Night remake. You know, yeah. so they they kind of follow these these trends, and this is definitely one of the better ones. It still holds up really well. It's got a, a really tight script for the most part. Uh, it's got great special effects. Most of the performances are, are great, um, and even the ones that aren't great aren't terrible. Uh, but it, it it captures a really kind of a cool subgenre of horror, and, and this whole like and like you said, Ryan, it, it is very meta, uh, and and it yeah. but it plays it well. So, and I think Tom Holland kind of took that theme into some of his other films too, like Child's Play, for example, which he I think he only directed the first one of that. Um, yeah, but that also plays up on on some tropes, yet also does some original stuff, just like this one does. So, as a, a favorite and as a classic, I'm giving this one an A. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Ryan? Um, well, yeah, like this movie. Going back to that meta thing, like this movie, uh, sh- is like based off of like, hey, fan of B horror films and whatnot. Uh, finds out vampire next door is, or person next door is a vampire sorry <laughs> um and then you know <coughs> does what a fan of those films would do and then this movie end up being one of those films shown at like midnight matinees downtown wherever during halloween like to become a classic 
by emulating classics is like a good sign of a of a good horror movie or high or a Halloween movie. Sorry, um, this movie was incredibly fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's one of those few movies from the '80s that everyone likes. That's like there's a good reason that people like it, um, and I can I see it like up there with uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I can see why people are excited to watch this on Halloween. Uh, yes, some of the things are, are kind of hammy and campy uh, in a very charming way. Um, some some char- Charlie's a hard character to fucking like. And the Amy Jerry <laughs> love sto- story is not really necessary. There wasn't You really didn't need it. I think they tried to like just sh- uh, shoehorn it in there as like, this is the reason that a grown-ass man is going after a teenage girl. Yeah, I was going to say, a justification for that. Yeah. yeah um, <laughs> I, I don't think there needed to be a love element at all. Like, he could have just been, like, a maniacal person who really wants, like, like fuck it. You know, you fucked with me, I'm going to fuck with you to this extreme. That would have been fine. There was no need to have, like, that weird sexual moment. Um, but outside of that, like, that's really it. That's the few things. Everything else is, like, it's just so fun. The makeup is fun. The story is simple. It, you don't need to invest more and straightforward. The character fucking Peter Vincent is amazing and wonderful. Uh, it's, like, what happens if Shaggy grew the fuck up and never changed? Um... <laughs> And uh, I give this, uh, I give this an A plus. I really fucking enjoyed it. Um, it's even if even with its flaws, it's like it doesn't matter. It's part of the charm of this movie. It's it's fucking wonderful. Nice. Yeah, and I'm gonna echo a large majority of this. It may be on its way to becoming the best reviewed movie on the Video Junkyard podcast of all time. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, this is a movie that's so well. In so many ways, it's so 80s, but it manages to hit the like generally like charming ways to be eighties and doesn't really tread in some of the, the ways that are, are dated. There, there's a couple things here and there, but in general, it's a great like little time capsule because it is a very eighties movie, but it still works very well in the modern sense. But uh, it's got great characters, even though Charlie is not a likable character. I think I finally got the like, Oh, okay. We weren't, Charlie wasn't supposed to be like this, you know, <laughs> hero character he's he's a nerdy monster kid you know and we're, we're supposed to relate to him in that way and not through you know him being he's not actually so cool you know that's that's evil just making just poking at him so um, he's just a teenager really eager to kill his neighbor <laughs> right uh All it's got a, it's got a theme song with the with the name of the movie in it you gotta love that because that's a oh. thing that they don't do anymore um <laughs> great special effects great vampires uh great like i don't know charming i don't almost like after school special kind of feeling but it, it you know it definitely hits you in that like the kind of the um i don't know it's just such a good halloween movie i think it's that that kind of uh group of teens versus monsters kind of thing it does all the right things that and i know i was i was a lot more positive on monster squad than you guys were but uh it's still it does a lot of the same things that monster squad is trying to accomplish but i think this movie does do that better um it's it's a fantastic one to pick up for for the halloween season it's a favorite of mine i know i was trying really hard not to be biased because i i really really enjoy this movie i've seen it many times and i love it and uh so i was trying to give it kind of a non-biased read and i still think i'm you know i'm trying to be realistic this is through a non-biased uh hey, non-biased Eric, glasses here yep. i can say it, it's well earned 
<laughs> yeah, I was gonna say this is an A movie for me, yeah. even from the most critical I could possibly be. It's 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 great. So. It is a very good movie. Yeah. Add this to your if you've never seen Fright Night, add this immediately to your Halloween watch list. You won't you won't regret it. So. Yeah. We're, it sounds like we're getting on the more positive end of these movie reviews of Halloween. Yeah. It's getting uh, there, and we actually hope people will also uh, enjoy this review of Fright Night, but also check out next week when we continue our Halloween movie reviews. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Fright Night? And also, what are your thoughts if you've seen the sequel or the remake? Uh, what was or, the, your or, the or the remake sequel. Yeah, the remake there's actually sequel. that too. Yeah. Oh, God, they did one? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Yeah, there's a you Fright Night, a new Fright Night too. You know Electra from uh, the Daredevil oh. Netflix series? She plays oh, uh, the yeah. lead vampire, oh. and it has no original cast, yet the characters are the same. Interesting. Or if you have any thoughts and questions or comments or criticisms or criticisms about that one, uh, we'd be happy to hear any of those from you. Uh, please feel free to direct those at the Video Junk Air Podcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at Video Junk Pod. Uh, or find us on Facebook at our main Video Junk Air, po- Video Junk Air Podcast page or the Video Junk Air Podcast group, uh, as well as on Pinterest and Instagram, where we sometimes update things. But yeah, we would love to hear from you. <laughs> and uh, Video Junk Air Podcast has an official Patreon page at video or patreon.com slash Video Junk Air Podcast. If you like what you hear on the podcast, consider helping by giving a little bit back and helping us create this podcast. Uh, everything we do, we collect through Patreon, does go straight back into the podcast. We appreciate any help. There's also some really great perks if uh, you do decide to donate, uh, such as Video Junkyard Podcast swag, members-only content, and the ability to vote in polls, which I have just posted the first of, by the way. Uh, not too late to get in right now and vote on that. So um, help us pick out what we uh, the movies we watch on the Video Junkyard Podcast by joining us at Patreon. Um, check it out, and of course... Either way, your continued support of the podcast is much appreciated. Coming up on the Video Junkyard Podcast, of course, as Joe mentioned, we will be continuing our uh, Halloween uh, month. Um, we're going to be watching what my wife would consider to be the ultimate and best Halloween film of all time, Hocus Pocus. We're, uh, oh, same uh, here on my end, both me and so the partner. So. We're gonna we're gonna check this out. This one uh, took took a little bit of um, you know uh, elbows and and, and uh, nudges to get onto the podcast, but yeah, it's, it is certainly a Halloween classic. I will I will say that for sure. Um, whether it's my favorite or not, we will we will see. Tune in next week and uh, we'll find out. Following that, uh, we are going to have um, the. What are we calling you guys? The TV junkyard crew? That's not even accurate anymore. But the uh, the uh, David and Ryan and is it, are both the Davids joining you again for this? Uh, yes. Why don't you introduce what's coming up on November fifth for? Oh, we're uh, not to put well, you on the spot or anything. <laughs> we're reviewing. Um, uh, the, we're we're continuing from reviewing a '90s video game movie adaptations, and this week. Uh, we're or not this week, sorry. That week we will be doing uh, Street Fighter, the '94 Street Fighter. Ooh. Yeah. The, yeah, John Claude Van Damme Street Fighter. The last right film oh, yeah. of the great Raul Julia. Yeah, yes. that's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course. I just watched Adams Family this week, like yeah, the '90s Adams Family. Miss Raul Julia, he's fantastic, and 
in both of those movies in totally different ways. Yeah. So we hope you join us for those, and we hope that you've enjoyed checking out the Video Junkyard podcast, and we hope that if you enjoyed it, you'd be uh, willing to share it around. We can you know, be found on Spotify and, uh, of course, SoundCloud, and anywhere that you can find podcasts. So until next time, thank you once again for joining us. This is the Video Junkyard podcast. I'm Joe Peterson. I'm Eric O'Branson. And I'm Ryan Sysko saying... You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go! Stay on the road. Keep clear of the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>